Welcome to the Master's Key with Nigel Christensen from Celebrate Messiah. Nigel, thank you. Good to be with you again, and uh, we'll explain that term, Master's Key, uh, a little bit later. What we want to do in this series is address the question of the correct way to interpret the Bible. Absolutely. And you've taken for the initial text is 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of God. Absolutely. And that, that this, the key phrase there, as you emphasized, is rightly. Because Paul here, obviously, he's talking to his prodigy, Tim, yep. and he's saying, look, this is how you do it, the right way to do it. And so that implies... If there's a right way, there's a wrong there's way. There's a wrong way. Yeah. So... This is where we uh, want to come to, is an understanding what is the right way to handle God's Word. And so that's where we ask the next question is, well, who best to look to as a role model? Well, obviously Jesus. Yes. So we're going to be looking at Jesus as our role model for someone who rightly handled the Word of God. Because he actually quoted scripture, scripture quite a lot. He did, he did. He quotes scripture extensively throughout the Gospels. And of course, he also makes a statement, he, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. So that adds another layer of, well, why would we go to anyone else? Yeah. If he is the truth, and he is showing us how to handle the word of God, well, then let's look at what he has to say. Yeah. How, will, how does he interpret God's word? You would think it'd be quite easy to to interpret it correctly. You say, well, it's God's word. You must there must be only God's interpretation of it. But what right. we've found over the years is obviously there is a lot more interpretations yes. that people. In fact, I was in a discussion on this the other day um, about different Bible translations, mm -hmm. and and I said, you know, the, the translators because of the Hebrew and the Greek, you can still interpret the term in a different way. Sure. So then you have to interpret somebody else's language and translate it into your language the yeah. way you interpreted it. Yeah. So we've got to look to the master. Yes. Find Absolutely. out how the master did it. And this is, uh, this is in uh, contrast to, say, maybe looking to modern philosophies yeah. or ideologies or even political viewpoints. All of these things will have their own uh, focus, but ultimately we want... Jesus focus. Yes. Because he will have the right one that gets us to the truth, to the correct understanding. Yeah. So in light of that, what I thought we could do is look at uh, the temptation. So this is where he obviously goes into the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, it's fasting. And he, during that time, is Satan has a crack at him. Yeah. And this is a really good example of Jesus being consistent in how he handles the word of God. And we're going to see the, the right way and the wrong way in this. Oh, yes, because yeah. Satan just gives us an example of the wrong way. Right. So maybe if you want to uh, the, the share with us 4? from Matthew 4, yeah. All right, so the, the tempter came and said to him, this is at the, at the end of the um, the uh, the 40 days yep. of fasting. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeah. So the key phrase I want to pick out here is his opening phrase is, it is written. So before he says anything else, note, notice that phrase. So keep that in mind because we want to keep keep reading. It's, so it's interesting because yeah. that's if you think about that, this is the beginning of his ministry. Yes. The absolute beginning. The, absolute. So you could say this is the first recorded words of Jesus in his time of ministry. Essentially. Were, it is written. Yes, yeah. it is written. 
All right. So keep that in mind. So now, now let's go to the next right, phase so of the temptation. The devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. There's that term again. Yes. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus again said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Yeah, so we'll come back to Satan's response there. Uh, he, he's actually doing something a little bit different. But notice what Jesus is saying. Again, it is written. Yeah. And the way he's doing this is the same way he did it the first time. He's very, very consistent. So now let's go to the third part. The third one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Right, so what we've seen here is every single time Jesus has referred to Scripture, and every single time he's used the same approach, it is written, or as yep. it is written. But you notice, as we pointed out earlier, Satan... Satan, because, oh, well, if you want it. to use the Bible, bro, yeah, I can do that too. Exactly, yeah, but yeah. he does it incorrectly. So what we actually see is Jesus is doing exegesis, which will lead to true understanding. Right, so explain exegesis for so those that don't it's, know. It's basically uh, understanding the Bible as it's written. Okay. Keeping it in the correct context, not taking it out of context. Right, so what, do, what does the Bible actually say as opposed to what do I want it to say? Exactly, whereas Satan does what's called eisegesis. So he has an idea or a thought, and then he imposes this on the scripture to yeah, get it, it, the conclusion he wants. Right, somebody said about a lot of... Um, uh, I've got to be careful in, in saying this, but a lot of preaching is motivational messages mm -hmm. with a Jesus sticker. Right. Like, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a 40 minute motivational message with a verse. Okay. Yeah. That's eisegesis. Yes. Yeah. And that's what Satan's doing. It's, it's, it's basically trying to rubber stamp your idea. Yeah which doesn't really have much basis in scripture. But this is what Satan tried to do. Yep. But what Jesus did is he used a correct understanding, a correct application of scripture, keeping in its right context. And there's a saying, a text out of context as a pretext. And that's exactly what Satan did. He took yep. it out of context and he creates something different that was never intended yep. for this verse to say. So there's clearly a right way to do yes. things. However, Jesus and was able way. to parry that attack. Absolutely. Because uh, we know the word, the word of God is the, the sword of the Spirit. Yes. Uh, and you can use it as an attacking weapon, but you can also use the sword as a, as a defensive weapon Absolutely. to parry the attack. So this is what Jesus has done Absolutely. each time. Correctly use the word to parry the attack yes. of Satan. So he, 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 he knew what Satan was about. Yeah. And so he just continued to correctly apply scripture to show that Satan's conclusion was not matching the word of God. Yeah that he had a different motive. Whereas Jesus' motive was, I want to be true to God's word. And so that means he was doing that yeah. throughout that process. And of course, in this context, Satan is, I guess, the pinnacle enemy or opposition. Yep. So we're not gonna get a tougher opposition than this. Then this is an excellent role model for how to correctly apply scripture in a context where you're under attack even. Yeah. Um, and what's, what's interesting is that right, this is not just in this passage, but right throughout the Gospels, this is Jesus' consistent approach. Anytime he's talking to a, about an Old Testament prophecy yep. or an Old Testament scripture or he's referencing the Old Testament. He, he goes back to scripture. 
the the young Pharisee that came and said, you know, how do I get right with God? And Jesus mm. goes, well, what what do the scriptures say? Exactly. What, yeah. what is it written? Um, it's interesting that the, the verse that Satan quotes uh, is a verse about, I mean, it, it's, it's wrongly applied, yes. but it's not incorrect. Right. Yeah. Right. It is applied. It is about Messiah. Yes. yes. He will lift you up on yes. the, you know, yeah. uh, so that you stop, but he's using it at the wrong time. Yeah. And the key issue was what he was doing. He was trying to get Jesus to act selfishly. Yes. Whereas Jesus consistently says, I'm here to do the will of my father, yeah. not to do what I want, but what God wants. And so Satan was really trying to circumvent that and say, hey, on this occasion, why don't you just do what you want to do? And that'll be okay. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus is going, no, that's not okay. Yeah. I'm here to do what God wants first and foremost. So he stays true to that. So throughout the Gospels, it's about 31 times Jesus consistently uses this term. In the Greek, it's grapho. It's a single word. Yep. It means to engrave or write. But essentially, it's translated as it is written or as it's written. So maybe a good way to think about it is like think about someone as they're writing a book of the Bible. Yep. Now that's a particular person. They're writing at a particular time. They're writing to a particular audience. There's a reason they're writing what they're writing. And so then we can also look at what did they actually write? Yeah. So all of those things, it's like we're putting ourselves back into when the author was writing and saying, let's understand this as it was being written. So this is the first rule of systematic theology, mm. big term. Uh, but it, it's what did the original readers understand the writer yeah. to mean? And what was the original intention of the in its context? Yeah. So we go yeah. back to that, and then that helps us to keep in mind what was intended when this was being written, rather than us coming two thousand years later with and some going, modern ideas yeah. and reinterpreting it to mean something completely different. But there's so much of that around at the moment. There's uh, well, not just at the moment, but but for the last thirty or forty years, this this esoteric knowledge. It's been you know well. For years and years, you know, for 2,000 years, the church has understood this verse to mean this. But right. what it really means is yes. this. Yeah. You go, no, no, no. What it really means is what we've understood it to yes, mean for 2,000 years. Um, and people just like new things sometimes. That, yeah. Uh, sensational ideas, cool ideas, exciting ideas. It's like, uh, let's, we've, we've heard this before, so yeah. let's do something new and different. The problem is the truth is what it is. And if you try and make it something which it's not, then it's no longer that truth. No. You've changed it. And this is this is dangerous because Jesus is the truth. So yep. if we're shifting away from Him, then someone else is at the, at the center of our lives. Yep. Maybe it's ourselves. Maybe it's our philosophies. But in a sense, we've created an idol that's taken the place of God. God should be at the center yep. of our lives as believers, not me. So we can not look at that as, as one of the one of the incorrect ways of interpreting it is saying, "Am I interpreting this verse to benefit me?" Yes. Yeah, that, so that would be a good example where that's what Satan tempted Jesus yes. to Use this for yourself. Yeah. Use this to, to self-gratify or use this to give yourself an out. I mean, there's a whole lot yeah. in there in that temptation, Absolutely. you know, the, all of those things. But what we're looking at at the moment is, is the correct way of interpreting Absolutely. and using the Word and, of God. And this is Jesus' consistent approach as it's written. Yeah. And he doesn't... He doesn't try to spice it up as it were say hey yep. today we're going to do something a little bit different and yep. we'll tr try a new philosophy just for the sake of it and that's because truth he's truth so therefore he's yep. always accurate 
he doesn't deviate away from that to inaccuracy. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably our, um, I guess, our opening thought for today. Yeah. Um, is understanding the scriptures as they're written. So this this is the key, the yes, master's so exactly, key. Yeah. Yes. So this is. The, well, I thought you meant master keys. Yeah. Like, yes, well, this is the master so keys. So it's the master's key, as in this is Jesus' key to understanding the scriptures yep. that we can use. Yep. And actually, it's there for our. He's showed us how to use it. And so we just follow his model. What's his approach to understanding scriptures? So as, as it were, he's giving us the master key. Yep. You do this correctly. You rightly divide the word of truth. You end up with truth. All right. You do it wrong. And it's like, yeah. this ain't working. The key's not going to work too, uh, very well at all. I mean, I just got a new key cut for the car. and It doesn't yes. work completely well. It's no. not, you know. No, yes. Um, so sometimes it goes and sometimes it doesn't. With Jesus' interpretation of the scriptures, it's not hit and miss. No. No. It works all the so time. So if he's our authority and we follow him, then we're heading in the right direction. All right, that's what we're going to do with this series. Absolutely. And look through. Okay, next time we're going to look at um, unlocking the truth of Scripture with that master's key and yes. understanding literal prophecies. Yes, correct. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you.